Welcome to 14 Speaks, a 14 East Magazine podcast. I'm Jenny Holtz. And I'm Dylan Vansicle. A blue wave has crashed down in Illinois, and while we can't say the same nationwide, Democrats won every single race at the state level this election. But while there's change at the state level, it's business as usual in the Illinois State House of Representatives. Yeah, in fact, aside from a brief period of Republican control from 1995 to 1997, Democrats have maintained a House majority since 1982. And after last week's midterm elections, Democrats now hold 71 seats to the GOP's 44. And at the top, behind the scenes, and in control of the Democratic hold on Illinois is Michael Madigan, the Velvet Hammer, a nickname he earned for being able to beat down his opponents before they can even feel it. Yes, the Velvet Hammer has served in Illinois State House since 1971, when he was just 29 years old. And 47 years later, he's still there as Illinois Speaker of the House, a position he's held on to for most of the last 35 years. So how has Michael Madigan held on to become the longest-serving state speaker in U.S. history? Madigan serves the 22nd District of Illinois, located on the southwest side of Chicago near Midway. In his district, there are over 50,000 registered voters, but just over 18,000 cast votes in the primary. In the last five general elections, Madigan received 22,000 votes on average. And those 22,000 votes have secured his position as one of the most powerful politicians in the state. What's also interesting about Madigan is that he doesn't maintain much of a public profile. He doesn't tweet, he doesn't really speak to the press, and he has never sought out any position higher than Illinois Speaker. According to the Paul Simon Public Policy Institute, despite his low profile, his approval rating sits at 22%. Not only is Madigan Illinois Speaker of the House, he's chair of the Democratic Party in Illinois. So he controls both the flow of money and the legislation in the House, which includes selecting who gets placed on voting committees to approve of the legislation that he wants to get passed. Plenty of people over the years have asked Madigan to step down. Most recently, Daniel Biss asked him to do so for his inadequate response to workplace harassment related to his chief of staff, Tim Mapes. Mapes later resigned a while after the news broke. In this month's midterm elections, J.B. Pritzker was elected as governor of Illinois. As the wealthiest elected politician in the country, Pritzker has the capital to support campaigns of other candidates like he did for himself this year's midterm. In the past, Pritzker and Madigan have disagreed on more progressive issues, such as the importance of passing marriage equality. With Pritzker's new political power, will he use his financial power to pursue a different agenda than Madigan's? We're here with Megan Stringer this week. She's an associate editor with 14 East. And uh, Megan, so you covered the Old Town School of Music this week? I did. I, I wrote a story about the Old Town School of Folk Music and their plan to sell a building on Armitage Avenue. It's their original location. They've been there since 1968. And they announced, uh, it was later last month actually, that they planned to sell it. And just recently, this past Saturday, they had a rally, a sing-along outside the building. There um, were hundreds of people there, and they were there to protest the planned sale of the building. They're very unhappy about the administration's plan to build an endowment to secure the future of the school. They've been having some enrollment drops in the past five years, but um, the community feels a strong disconnect with the administration and this decision that this Armitage location has been their home for nearly 50 years and they're not ready to see it go. So who goes to the school? 
Good question. It's a lot of people. Um, at the rally especially, there were children, there were their parents, there were older folks and their grandparents. So it's really multi-generational. Uh, I talked to a few folks who said, I send my son here and I go here for lessons and my stepmom goes here for lessons too. And so there's really, it's working across generations there, definitely. And uh, aside from that, it's not, it's not just multi-generational, I would say it's multi-genre too. You know, you think Old Town Folk School of Folk Music and, you know, a traditional guy sitting around playing a banjo. And while that does happen there, and that is the case, I also met um, Rebecca, who is in a punk ensemble, and they have, you know, genres all across the board, and you can just go there to get general training as a musician, not just in folk music. They've decided to sell. Why? Uh, is, it, is it the funding? Is it the enrollment you mentioned? Yeah, so they've seen uh, an enrollment decline in the past five years or so, and they think that they have, uh, according to the administration, this brick-and-mortar financial asset that they are able to, to sell and to create an endowment which is going to provide money for the school going into the future uh, to deal in harder times when they have enrollment dips and, and things like that. So it's a way to sort of secure that future. So I know this location's closing. Are they moving somewhere else? So they do have two locations right now. So there's the Armitage location uh, in Lincoln Park near DePaul, and then there is a Lincoln Square location on Lincoln Avenue. And so they got that building in 2012, so it's much newer than the 1968 building, uh, and that is where they're going to be transitioning all of their classes to. All right, so you mentioned the employees. What about them? Are their jobs going to go away? Are they getting transferred? Yeah, you know, this is a question that I'm hearing a lot of faculty and teachers ask. Um, there are around 246 teachers at the Old Town School of Folk Music. People go back and forth between teaching at Armitage and teaching on Lincoln Avenue. Um, and those concerns have definitely been raised by faculty. Now, administration says they're not concerned. They think it will be, you know, relatively easy to move the classes from Armitage to um, Lincoln Avenue. It's a significantly lower amount of classes that are at Armitage, so there's not going to be, it's not like the bulk of classes are transitioning, and so the, the administration feels confident that they're going to be able to make the switch despite concerns that faculty have, have mentioned. So we have another place that's closing that's historic. It means a lot to people, and it just so happens to have something to do with the arts. Are people responding in a similar way like they would, like school, arts, uh, departments losing funding or anything like that? You know, people are upset because the Old Town School of Folk Music, they say, you know, teachers and, and students, that this is a stronghold of the Chicago music community. It's a place where a lot of musicians have gone over the time to train and to learn and you know, somebody told me it's not just about performance, because if this was just about performance, they're like, there's a million places in the city of Chicago that you can go play. But what it is, is it's about community. This is a place where people learn together, they experience um, the process of growth together, and that's what's important to them. It's, it's the camaraderie and the community of, of learning and of music and of folk music. Thanks for listening to 14 Speaks. I'm Jenny Holtz. And I'm Dylan Vansickle. Special thanks to Megan Stringer for speaking with us this episode. This is Megan's first and last appearance on 14 Speaks. This is her final quarter at DePaul, and we all wish her well in Wausau. Thanks for everything, Megan. Our podcast was edited by our managing editor, Cody Corral. Our editor-in-chief is Maddie Happold, and our faculty sponsor is Amy Merrick. We'll see you after Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening.